I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, Bears, Cardassian, The Trill, and things Ooh. to this episode of 97 of the Trek Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? Uh, the Muppets and Star Trek. We've been doing one-to-one episodes of The Muppet Show and Star Trek The Animated Series. That's right. And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show with special guest star Diana Ross and Star Trek Animated Series episode The Pirates of Orion. <laughs> But before we begin, German, do we have any feedback? We do not. <laughs> we, we, we for I forgot if we mentioned this or not, so I didn't delete it. <laughs> That's <my> okay. <laughs> Who, who's Diana Ross, you say? Let me tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Go for it, Steve. <laughs> uh, she's just an American singer and icon. Uh, she was the lead vocalist for the Supremes, performing mm-hmm. uh, songs like Baby Love, Come See About Me, Stop in the Name of Love, and You Can't Hurry Love. In 1970, she struck out on her own with a solo album album featuring huge hits like Ain't No Mountain High Enough and Reach Out and Touch Somebody's Hand. Uh, She was Billboard 1976's Female Entertainer of the Century. Oh, wow. She has 25 studio albums, starred in the 1978 film The Wiz. That's right. What does our audience know her from? She is the voice of multiple generations. Mm-hmm. and an American icon. So our UK listeners might not know, our Canadian listeners might not know. As well. Maybe. As well. But I would hope, I hope that she has an international presence. Let and, us know. And people, kids these, days might, uh, kids these days might know her daughter, Trisha Lynn Ross, I think her name is, because she's a star on Blackish, the TV show. Yeah. And a lot of other things. She's a comedic actress. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a thing. <laughs> but yeah. So what's she up to this week on The Muppet Show? Well, on stage, Kermit introduces Diana Ross and Statler and Waldorf are keeping score this episode. Uh, next, we get uh, to we get to go to Rio, where reptiles, parrots finally learn to get along, and we get a brief preview of what Muppet Treasure Island is going to be like. Ah, yes. Fozzie gets booed the hardest he has ever been booed. <laughs> uh, Kermit introduces Diana Ross, who performs Love Hangover. Diana serenades three giant birds and a thing. Uh, while in a golden jumpsuit, and it is every bit as glamorous as I'm describing it. Disco. Uh, the gills hit the stage. Brothers uh, fish in suits singing anti-chovy, and they get booed an appropriate amount. <laughs> oh, I like their song. Uh, following this, we get Pigs in the Space, where Piggy gets tricked off stage and thinks the audience is hissing at her, all while uh, Dr. Julius Strangepork is trying to fix a leak. And boom, explodes. Uh, Bam. Uh, Booker. Uh, <laughs> I was saying boom explodes and then started with exit. <laughs> Beaker uh, hits the microphone and performs memes. Me, 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 me. Uh, <laughs> uh, animal, animal silences the audience, just chides them, and the number wraps up strong. Uh, we get a sweet backstage number. Uh, last time I saw him with Diana Ross, Dr. Teeth, and Floyd, and Kermit uh, refers to Diana Ross as a thing at this point, and it's a little bit awkward, um, but they finish that number on stage. Uh, Gonzo performs a, and what he calls indescribable, 
uh, feet to wow the crowd. He is then assaulted with projectiles from the audience and has to be removed from the stage on a stretcher. Just want us all to realize how serious this moment is. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dana is finally back. She throws Fozzie a bone, steals one of his jokes, and performs Reach Out and Touch. And performs uh, a, a crowd sort of storms the stage, leading with her and finishing the number as they all hold hands. Kermit thanks Diana one last time. Fozzie stinks it up again. And this is what we call the Muppet <laughs> Show. Poor Fozzie. Zern, what did you think of this week's episode with special guest Diana Ross? I think Diana did a great job. I don't think she was phoning it in at all, and she really seemed to be enjoying being there. Um, I think she interacted with the Muppets really well, which is our biggest characteristic here that we like. Um, I, she didn't play any characters, which is always my thing. I hope hosts play, will play characters, but she did, they did give her a lot to do with both backstage and on stage stuff, so I like that, and she had good interactions throughout. Um, I really did feel this terrible sad feeling of all the muppets getting booed at like i was like Stadler and waldorf yeah, man, do it the, but with, the, the audience are just mean this i know like it's Stadler and waldorf always do it but the whole audience doing it just makes me kind of sad yeah and they it literally made it, it made it feel off balance they send gonzo to the hospital as you said but they also killed the gill brothers they're now skeletons they are dead yeah they are dead they're dead <laughs> people died on this episode on this episode uh gonzo went to the hospital presumably maybe <laughs> But they did squeeze in uh, the Gonzo Act and Pigs in Space, so there's some kind of regular stuff in there. And uh, so overall, I think it was entertaining and interesting episode. And Diana Ross was good. So I don't know. What about you? I'm with I'm with you. Good musical numbers. She had good interactions. She was like really at the height when she did this. Like yeah. she didn't need to do the Muppet Show. Huge star. <laughs> Huge star. Did not need to do the Muppet Show. So it was extra spectacular that she was there. Yeah. Um. That being said, you're right. The, the episode fell off balance because there was just so much hate and so much negativity, and I'm not used to that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Add that to like a pigs in space, which is fueled by that negativity. The whole premise is that Piggy convinced she's being hissed at by the audience. So she just walks off stage. She just walks off and it kills. There's like no sketch. The whole sketch is that the sketch doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a bummer. That's true. Um, so I think. It maybe the writing on this one is a little bit of a misstep, but Diana Ross is a great guest, great interaction, and she should not be faulted for this episode. Correct, I agree with that very much. Um, so uh, those fish died. <laughs> fish died to the making of this episode. <laughs> so what did you? Uh, what are some song info about this episode? Music this week. Yeah. Well, I go to Rio, made famous by Peter Allen. Uh, the song is also used as the closing number for the Peter Allen biographical musical, The Boy from Oz. Oh. That exists. Yeah, I think I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. He like wrote one about himself. It's crazy. Uh, Love Hangover from Diana herself. The original was on the charts three months before the Billboard Dance Club song list existed. Hmm. And so it did good, but not, you know, over the top. Uh, but some 20 years later, a remix of this song was the last number one hit before they shut down the Billboard Dance Club song list. Huh. So she nearly missed it twice. Wow. Uh, Auntie Chovy, this is another from Derek Scott, Muppet Show musical associate, writer of most of the theme songs we hear, including Pigs in Space and the Veterinarian's Hospital. Very nice. Uh, Feelings by Morris Albert, a Brazilian singer. Uh, this charted in the mid-70s. He actually got sued for stealing the melody from a French composer. Hmm. Uh, last time I saw him, another Diana Ross song. This was Diana's Diana's seventh top 40 hit. And was number one for three weeks on Billboard's easy listening charts. Damn. Easy listening. (laughs) 
uh, and reach out and touch. This was not immediately a hit for her, but this ended up being one of her iconic songs because of her uh, during performance, she would encourage the audience to reach out and hold each other's hands. Ah, and COVID. It brings big, and it became this like thing, this like cultural thing. And I'll, I always uh, think of Buckwheat singing it on Saturday Night Live. Reach out and Dutch. Um, but uh, stop and, there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's pretty offensive. <laughs> um, so, General, what was your favorite? What do you think is the best Muppeteering moment this week? Um, I think the reach out and touch number, I guess, since it was just so large with so many puppets in the end, and that's always hard to coordinate. But I, I, looking through, I was like, did any one of those really technically impress me? <clears throat> I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I'm gonna give it to Beaker on oh. Mimi. Just. I love it. Now, mind you, I, of course, Beaker was not on stage alone. He had the band backing him up in that good moment with, uh, with animal, but I always appreciate it when like one single Muppet performer can like hold the stage. That's true. And he doesn't often get the chance to do that. Right. Not as Beaker. So it was, it was nice. It was fresh. It was a great performance. And I think really a shining star in this episode. I thought even worse for Beaker. I was like, geez, leave him alone. Let him sing. Man, poor Beaker. He's pouring his heart out here. <laughs> that poor bastard. Uh, well, German, that brings us to the end of season four, right? It does. Oh, my God. So well, at the end of this episode, means. we'll be uh, or doing it now or at the, or at the end? I don't, I don't know. Do we do it after we finish talking about this episode? Do we do it at the end after we finish talking about both episodes? I guess you're right. It's I don't know. Did we do it? Because we just talked about Muppets, so I thought now, but yeah. now I'm doubting everything. Let's just go ahead and do it now. Rip the Band-Aid off. All right. I hope you leave all this in. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're at the end of season four of The Muppet Show. How we got here this quick is kind of incredible, and how we've come this far already is 97 nuts. 97 episodes. 97 episodes. It means we're also coming up to 100 where we're going to do movie reviews. Mm-hmm. And comparisons. Um, and so that means we're going to talk about the best and worst of season four. And if any of it joins the best and worst of the entire show so far. Damn. So what do you want to start with? Worst or best? Uh, let's go with the worst this time. Last time for Star Trek, we did start with the top. Let's go with the bottom first. All right. So the worst of season four, I'll start with my, with mm-hmm. my first one. Uh, I'm going to give it to Shields and Yarnell. Oh, okay. <laughs> Reasoning. Uh, they were just strange hosts. Um, and while you think it would fit, they just had too much of their shtick mixed it with not enough Muppets. Mm. And you had some lackluster musical numbers in between. It just turns into kind of a mush of an episode. A mush. I like that. adjective. <laughs> uh, my first uh, bottom three is uh, Arlo Guthrie. Um. I, I don't re- remember too much, but looking back at my notes, he apparently was just not a good singer. He was terrible with the Muppets. It's like he didn't want to be there. One of those kind of things. And it just was also a just mush of an episode because of him. They tried to save it with them, their other stuff, but there wasn't enough. And he was just, yeah, I thought he was terrible. All right. Good answer. Thank you. Uh, my, my next one, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Christopher Reeve. Oh, Wow. He was kind of wooden. They overplayed certain aspects. There was that alligator number that I had major technical issues with. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he did have a few good shining moments, I just felt like it was one of those episodes that just didn't come together. And focusing too much on the Superman aspect and, and I don't know. Yes, I, I agree with that. that. Yes. That's um, fair. And I was just wish they would have gotten away from it. 
And he did a little bit. He did get to stretch a little bit, but I don't think it was enough. Yeah, he had that one slinging number, and it was good. But it was like, yeah. yeah, I can see that. My next one, I think, uh, will be Jonathan Winters, um, the comedian who was god awful. Nothing was funny. Um, it was just some of the worst hosting I've seen. They didn't. You, he didn't change out of his like tuxedo the whole time. It was just. It was awful. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. Or my bottom. Um. No, that's fair. And I think what I, he was towards my bottom. I, he was really in my consideration, honorable mention for terrible. But I think the rest of the episode bailed it out for me. Okay. That's because this is one where like the aliens crash. You get the caterpillar doing never walk alone. Mm. Uh, you get the octopus being arrested by Fozzie and then Fozzie getting overtaken by it. That like great bit of puppetry uh, that I think was both of our best puppeteering moments of the week, if I remember correctly. Um, so I think just overall, some of that episode saved him out. Gotcha. Not judging, not just by the host. Fair. Yeah. All right. Are we on my third or your third? Your third. Arlo Guthrie. Hey, so we both agreed on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree. The farmhouse feel, lackluster performances. Totally. He was so high. Uh the loose premise of them gathering for the family dinner didn't feel like it paid off or was worth it. And like the farmhouse, just not worth it. Terrible. Mm. You're trash, Arlo Guthrie. You had like two good songs. <laughs> nothing but nothing else. Awful. Nothing else. <laughs> so I had on here my last one as, because I just going off my notes is how I had to kind of remember this because I don't remember the episodes that well. But I had put uh, Victor Borgia. But looking back, I'm like, I think I did like that one a little bit because I like the different the piano section. But why I think it at my in my end is that they kind of wasted him. They could have done so much more with him. And I think I remember that just kind of scooched him on the stage in his outfit and he played a song, went off, scooched him back out, he played a song. And so it was just such a waste of opportunities, this virtuoso piano player like Liberace that did so much more with than Victor Borgia. And he had all this kind of um vaudeville experience and stuff. It's just it was such a waste that it ends up in my bottom. Victor Borgia. So do we want to cover, yeah, let's cover whether any of those mm-hmm. join your overall worst of list. All right. Looking at the list now. Hmm. So far as worst go, I had Edgar Bergen, Bob Hope, and Rich Little. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Winters could very easily join that uh, pedigree. It's a prestigious list of a comedian who just is a one trick pony and not funny, but you know what? He was also racist. So I'm going to put it in, I'm going <laughs> to remove rich little and put Jonathan winters. He, he wow, rich little. I never thought you'd forgive him, but that just, that speaks volumes. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'll take it back. It's a mulligan. Edgar Berg. I'm giving some credit because I did love him as a childhood hero. So he's going to go off the worst list and be replaced by Jonathan Winters. There we go. And he was like a million years old. Yeah. <laughs> a million years old. So uh, I'm going to say that Doug Henning, the magic man of a million tricks we've seen a million times, uh, he knocks out Bob Hope for me out of my bottom three. Wait, did I hear you talk about Doug Henning? Yeah. What did you say about Doug? I didn't hear that being your last choice. Did not? What did I say? You said something else. Man, I might have I might have taken some messed up notes. 
Oh, never mind. He beat out Christopher Reeve. I'm an idiot. Oh, okay. Yeah, Doug Henning's a piece of shit. Oh, yeah, that's right. So Christopher Reeve is not on your list then. He was he was honorable mention bottom. They were fighting it out, and then I think I deleted one and put the other in the wrong section. Yeah, Doug Henning did some bad stuff in real life, right? That's what we found out. No, Doug Henning. Well, yeah, no, he just very unsuccessfully ran for politics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just very unsuccessfully ran in politics. He's the guy who did all those magic tricks that like we've seen a billion. Oh times. yeah, he was uh, he was close to my t- bottom three as well. Yeah, but what, what was your uh, original bottom three? My original bottom three was Spike Milligan, Bob Hope. And Rich Little. All right. Spike we, Milligan and Rich Little hold their spots, but Bob Hope gets bumped up one peg. All right. By Doug Henning. So we both still have Rich Little on our list. It's true. All right. Uh, so, yeah, man. So we, we, we made some adjustments. We're still finding the bottom here, folks. There you go. And now we have to go through our top three. Talk about brighter things. Yeah. I want to start with this one. Uh, I'm saying Victor Borg. Okay. Total episode. There. Not only uh, was I thought he a good host, um, he 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 really did get to do his thing. He fits in. He's silly. He knew what he was doing with like he he performed the same good serious thing he would have performed with anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get Gonzo's act naturally in there. We get Bobby Benson's baby band running amok. That was another reason why I didn't like it. There's too many babies in that episode. <laughs> and Bobby me Benson out. is under investigation for something that just goes away. Um, <laughs> but no, I like the Victor Borg episode. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, my first one you? is uh, for the season is John Denver. Um, okay. okay. I thought he was just lovely with the Muppets. He fit right in. I like they they have folksy guests that usually fit in really well because I think a lot of those big bearded hippies that were on them, you know, as the Muppeteers are a bunch of hippie folk people themselves. So it works out pretty well, but it was just a lovely episode. A lot of good uh, song numbers and sketches. And he was great with the Muppets. So that was definitely my, my top three. Okay. Uh, my second one, top three, uh, I'm going to say Mark Hamill. Okay. He had the most energy and enthusiasm of any host we've ever seen. Clearly <laughs> happy to be there. Very much so. Additionally, you get the super memorable Angus McGonagall, the gargling gargoyle who gargles Gershwin. That was amazing. <laughs> you get Rama Lama Ding Dong with Rams. Scooter's excellent number six string orchestra, which is just a classic and to cap it all off. You get Chewbacca. That's true. That's a win. <laughs> that is a win. That was pretty close to my top four as well. Yeah. Then I have to just to turn everything around here. Shields and Yarnell is my number two. <laughs> <laughs> you piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> because I love that. It was so different and interesting. I, I like it when they have these weirdos on the show that no one knows, but just Jim Henson's like, so salivating over them. And like, there's just, weird dances and strange stuff and it was too much them i i I like that it was just a big strange change in the wind so that's that's my top three for the season my third and final uh, for the top is liza minnelli Mm -hmm. you get great numbers like copacabana you get the in that entire overarching murder mystery noir premise oh yeah that gets fully realized the gaudy musical number great day uh, and then, like, Statler and Waldorf did it in the end. Just a wonderful episode. And, and just truly maybe the best themed episode that the Muppets will probably ever do. That is also my number three uh, choice. Mm-hmm. Liza Minnelli. Uh, it was just an all-around great episode. She's a living Muppet. It was perfect. Yeah, it was a really great episode. Agree. Fully agree. And did you already do your third one? I did. Oh, that was your third as well. Mark okay. Hamill, Victor Borg, and Liza Minnelli. That's right. So, 
Steve, do any of those uh, dethrone your previous best connections or best? What, what was your top three, first of all, for overall so far? Uh, so my top three overall was Harry Belafonte, Alice Cooper, and Zero Mostow. That's right. So uh, Liza Minnelli is actually going to knock out Alice Cooper, oh, who I also liked for big musicality, um, a well-themed episode, well-themed and well-executed episode. Getting to see the star stretch, like it was good. So for the same reasons, Liza overtook Alice Cooper. That makes a lot of sense. Um, my top three were Gilda Radner, Peter Ustinov, and Bruce mm-hmm. Forsyth. Um, I think I liked the same things about Peter Ustinov and Bruce Forsyth's episodes. So okay, I think Liza Minnelli is going to dethrone Bruce Forsyth. Um, Whoa, our list. UK listeners will be vehement. Hey, we still have Peter Usinov. I think he's a British too, right? So there you go. <laughs> That's right. Good old P. Ustinov. So now we have Gilda Radner, Peter Usinov, and Liza Minnelli taking that spot. So there uh, you Liza go. Minnelli, Harry Belafonte, and Zero Mostel on my side. So there you go. Up. Some good lists here, folks. Well, well, German, tell us about what happened this week on the episode of Star Trek The Animated Series. Well, this week we have the Pirates of Orion. And this episode calls them Orions for some reason, even though they already said their names in original series episodes a different way. Uh, So we have Bones that just treated the whole crew for a disease called choreocytosis, and he gave them all mostly a clean bill of health. And the Enterprise is now on its way to Deneb 5 on a diplomatic mission. But suddenly Spock falls over ill, and it turns out this disease is much more resilient and deadly in Vulcans. So apparently Bones can hold off this disease for a bit, but unless Spock gets the rare drug needed for the cure, he'll be dead in three days. But the closest planet with the drug is four days away. So they figure out that they'll need a ship closer to that planet to pick it up and then meet them halfway so they can get him the cure in time. And so this freighter ship called the USS Huron gets the drug and is on its way, but it's attacked by an Orion pirate ship who takes all their dilithium and the drug. Uh, so the Enterprise finds um, about the out about the attack. They find the, the Huron and they help the Huron crew and they're able to track down the Orion, <laughs> Orion vessel into an asteroid belt. But time is running out for Spock. But once in the asteroid belt, the Orions realize they cannot fight or escape the much more powerful Enterprise. And Kirk tries to make a deal with them that they can keep the damn dilithium and he'll even give them some more. And he won't tell Starfleet about the attack if the Orions just give back the medicine. Uh, the Orion captain doesn't trust Kirk, but also knows that if Kirk does report this to Starfleet, then the Orions will never have their neutral position with the Federation. They'll be enemies of the Federation. So to avoid that, the Orion captain makes a plan to lure Kirk down to a nearby asteroid and blow all of them up, including themselves, with a, a dilithium bomb. So Kirk comes down to the asteroid, but when he finds out what the Orion captain is going to do, he punches him in the face <laughs> and he's able to beat him up and he beams himself, the captain and the drug onto the Enterprise. And once captured, the Orion captain makes his other men stand down and surrender, and they're able to treat Spock with the drug, and yay, everything is better again. So, Steve, what do you think of this episode? All right, some things I liked. Opens with a disease, but it's no big deal. Except for Spock, it's a big deal. Ooh. Man, crazy reveal. <laughs> uh, four days to a miracle drug, but we only have two? Oh, man, math sucks. Um, <laughs> another starship and crew and everything? That was awesome. <laughs> Uh, pirate attacks. That pirate on the left is his head is definitely supposed to be a penis. <laughs> they like big dildos. <laughs> the one on the left, it was. Him. You just couldn't. I could not see it. That's hilarious. 
I like that our captain's captain has been captured. Should we run? Nah, blow ourselves up immediately. <laughs> uh, this had the fastest, cleanest wrap up ever. Pirates are in the brig and we're on our way to our next thing. No other issues. Bye. <laughs> like, yep. What? Uh, and you end with a classic laugh at Spock. Like, you know, everyone's laughing at his expense. They cut. Yeah, it was a big belly laugh from Bones. <laughs> um, dislikes this episode. Too much monologuing from Bones about how he can't fix things. Mm. I feel like there were three different points where Bones is like, it defies medicine, Jim. I wish I could do something, but he only has 20 hours. Like, it was just, What's it the point like of me being non-stop. a doctor if I can't help him? <laughs> uh, damn, green blood. Um, it's got copper in it. And I like and once they run into the pirates, the episode actually really slows down. Like it's really fast paced and they're they're on a timeline and the, the clock's ticking and they run to the pirates and it just turns into nothing but these stupid back and forths and failed plans. We'll meet like, you in terrible. fifteen minutes. <laughs> Why? It has to be right now. Fifteen minutes. <laughs> you want us to wait around for a little bit for some reason? Okay. <laughs> Like he has to get a haircut or something. He's going to get lubed up. He's a big dildo. <laughs> I have to get to my spacesuit. Hold on. 15 minutes. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> More lotion. More lotion below. Yes, Captain. Yeah. You missed it last time, didn't you? <laughs> Continue. <laughs> and now the helmet. <laughs> Mm, tight fit. I like it feel pressed against my face. <laughs> I love the hermetic seal. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> I thought um, it was a nice bottle episode, um, but it had urgency. I can agree with that. I, I didn't think about it, but I agree. It did have a lot of urgency, but some of that middle part was like, where they kind of yeah, it wasn't as smooth with them and the interactions, um, but it feels like it all made sense. That's like a Starfleet problem they would actually have would be pirates kind of stealing crap, and they don't, we don't really see that a lot. Um, Bones is super racist against Vulcans in this one, um, but I think it's a great strong episode for season two to start on of, of the animated series. I think it was a lot of fun. It was silly and fun. I thought. Yeah, I like this. I just I had a lot more in the likes column, and once again, seeing getting to see an entirely different crew and ship. Yeah, classic pirate attacks and clicking like a click down clock. Like every all the pieces were there to make like a fun to make like romp. a fun episode. But it wasn't like a mid just lost its way a little bit. I can see that. Well, we got some trivia for this one. It's kind of fun. Uh, the writer of the episode is a guy named Howard Weinstein. He was 19 years old when he wrote this, making him the youngest writer in the Star Trek universe. Uh, Weinstein had adapted a short story that he had also written for his high school science fiction magazine, and then he mailed it into the show's producers. And then they had him tweak some things, and then it just went on air. He was the youngest writer ever for Star Trek. Um, the episode marks the last appearance of the Orions in the Star Trek franchise until the Enterprise episode, Borderland, 30 years later. Wow. So they weren't in any of the... Uh, at least early or late uh, TNG. They mentioned them, but they're not ever seen. Um, this episode episode has Lieutenant Erex, which is the guy with multiple arms. Um, he takes over Spock's station, just as Ensign Chekhov did back in the original series. Uh, as a result, Erex, who apparently was a fan favorite and has been in numerous Trek novels, has more dialogue here than he has in any other episode in this episode. 
He's also voiced by Jimmy Doohan, of course. Um, coloring difficulties caused the Orions in this episode to appear light-skinned, but in my opinion, the totally wrong color. They're always green, and they're kind of bluish in this episode, which is strange. Mm-hmm. And somebody screwed up and made them say Orions instead of Orions. Um, and Kirk's reference to the Orion conflict at court Corridonite on Stardate 3850.3 comes from the TOS episode Journey to Babel, where they did mention that was a real thing or it happened. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. that's our trivia for this episode. So what's our Trek connection, Muppet connections this time? Oh, man. Clay Drayton, songwriter, producer, musician, and sometimes actor who appeared as a Novan in the Star Trek Enterprise first season episode Terra Nova. Mm. Well, Drayton worked for Motown for for like eight years, and he's been involved in the music industry for like 40 or something. He wrote, arranged, and produced songs such as Love Hangover for Diana Ross. Well, look at that. <laughs> look at that. Leonard Nimoy and Diana Ross share the same birthday. That's March pretty 26th. cool. That's a connection right there. There you go. Bam. You got Trek connected. <laughs> Two strong ones. Which is good because these are the same episode, so they have should have connections. They basically are. So many similarities. Um, they both feature people slowly dying. <laughs> Spock from his disease and just Fozzie throughout the episode. Oh, true. Uh, both have episode. Both have someone disappointed in their career. Kind of a similar thing. Bones keeps telling Kirk that he feels he's not doing good as a doctor, and Fozzie feeling like he can't tell any jokes without getting booed. <laughs> Uh, I like that there were some visual similarities between the lizards, turtles, and parrots in the opening number and the Orions. <laughs> what? <laughs> like green, yellow, and blue. Oh, all colors. Yes, funny looking true. big heads. Look like a penis. Look like penises. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Both episodes have characters being surprised by an explosive. Uh, strange pork and hog throb when the lighter blows up in the nitroglycerin on pigs in space and the Orion captain when his dilithium explosive doesn't blow up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, that's it. Yeah, I got to. We're going to move Transporter on. Oh, what happened? Transporter malfunction. All right. It's the part of the show where we transport one character from one episode and vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? This week, I bent the rules a little bit. Muppets to Trek. I'm going to send over the entire swine Trek. Oh, and have it take the place of the random ship being attacked by pirates. They find Link Hogthrob clinging to life, but he needs surgery fast. Bam. They roll him into veterinarian's hospital. Oh, beautiful. That works well. (laughs) Uh, Muppets of Star Trek. I'll have the Gill brothers come over and take the place of the three Orion pirates. (laughs) They're actually the right color and they can give their demands to the Enterprise in a beautiful three part harmony. I think it'd be wonderful. Uh, I have something very similar. Bring over the pirates and replace the Gill brothers doing the same <laughs> song, but they all have to be that one penis guy. <laughs> That's the only condition. It's the only condition I insist on. <laughs> uh, Star Trek to Muppets. I'll have the Orion captain come to replace Fozzie. And in a dark turn of events, if the audience does not laugh at his jokes, he will set off his dilithium bomb and destroy the theater and everyone in it. Wow. Because <laughs> he can't fail your mission. They have to kill themselves if they fail their mission. So, yeah, there you go. So that brings us to the end of episode 97 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show, the uh, first episode of season five of the Muppet Show mm. with special guest Gene Kelly. And animated series episode BEM. <laughs> so from the lovers, the dreamers, and BEM. <laughs> Live long and prosper, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. 
Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.